Hey, this is Jason DeVore from Authority Zero, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. We're in the finals. I don't know if you guys have, have uh, been paying really close attention to it. I've been loving every single moment of it. I NBA finals? Yeah. There's something going on? I thought that we would relive uh, the 2011 draft when the Phoenix Suns might... Did you just hit yourself? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? This damn mic right here? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm working on a headset mic. I haven't quite figured out the right one to get yet. Anyway, uh, reliving the 2011 NBA draft because the Suns might have taken somebody instead of a certain Kawhi Leonard, which could have been um, super beneficial to this team. So, you or Keith ready? Morris, <laughs> you ready to relive the 2011? No, <laughs> not ready. Okay. <laughs> All right. The number one pick. Too soon. It's only been eight years. <laughs> I'm going to quiz you guys. The number one pick in the 2011 draft went to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, they picked who? Kyrie Irving. Yep. All right. And then near and dear to my heart, uh, number two overall picked by the Minnesota Timberwolves. They picked who? Oh, come on. That's not Carl. That wasn't Carl Anthony Towns, was it? No, no, no. No, 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 it was my favorite player, Derek Williams. Oh, Derek Williams. That's right. I forgot he went number two. Yeah. And then he took a giant number two in his career. So, all right. You know, the thing about Derek Williams is I think he actually would have worked out fairly well uh, in today's NBA. You know, being that like tweener, I think now it would work really well, but back then it didn't. We're spending a, a hell of a lot of time it? talking about other people that that went before the Suns could even pick well, them in know, the draft. We, we got to fill up some time here. All right, the Bucks number trying 10. to fill up some time here. The, the the Bucks number ten, near and dear to the Suns' heart, went to. Oh, the guy who uh, tried to stop Devin Booker from scoring sixty this spring. I think he did. Uh, Jimmer for debt. Yes. Come on, Greg. He Give it the he program. Try. He he did. I'm I'm done with. I'm just gonna let you read a list and Tim throw things out while we bore the hell out of the audience right, right. now. So. Number eleven, Golden State Warriors. They picked. We just watched him play last night. That's right. Clay Thompson. Utah Jazz number twelve. Alec Burks. Phoenix Suns number thirteen. The Mark good Heath old Morris. Mark Heath Morris. The, the lesser of the Morris brothers. Which, you know, for oh, years, nobody know. thought that was the case. But They're both kind of lessers. Oh, this is very true. And you got to got to experience both of them in Phoenix. Uh, so as Mark, we... As, Marcus went next, if, if yeah, you Marcus went Houston. next. And uh, then... Kawhi Leonard uh, went to the Spurs, traded from the Indiana in Pacers. Pacers at 17. There you go. So, so the Pacers thought so much of Kawhi Leonard, they thought George Hill would be a good addition instead of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, yeah, so the, and if you look at this, let's just go through this. So the Suns, yes, the Suns passed on Kawhi Leonard because he sweated through his suit and Lance Blanks is it, a buffoon. Is it not the stupidest story, though? Like, so he sweat through his suit in an interview because but, he was nervous. That right, means right, he cares. Like, but let's not pretend that – the Suns are the only team that were dumb enough to pass on him. Well, no, we I mean, just went got, through a list Minnesota, of right, Minnesota. Let, let's go through the busts from that draft. Derek Williams at number two. In my opinion, Ennis Cantor, those, though others wouldn't agree. Uh, Ennis Cantor uh, made he, – he was an impact player in this year's playoffs. I'm not sure you could consider him a bust. Well, that's what I was saying, in my opinion. I mean, compared to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you know, compared sure. to Derek Williams, though. <laughs> But let's look at total busts. I mean, you've got Derek Williams, you've got Jan Vesely, and Jimmer Fredette, and in my and also in my opinion, Alec Burks are total busts. Yeah, they're Christina Hendricks size busts. I mean, they're huge busts. So that's uh, that's certainly true. And then I think you look at the Morris brothers, and depending on who you are, I mean, you could argue that uh, at least Markeith hasn't uh, really 
made it uh, made anything of his career. So I, I, he was a bust. I mean, there's a lot of guys that were failures before Kawhi. And I get Dave's point that uh, that simply uh, there were a lot of teams that missed on Kawhi Leonard. But to me, when you look at that, the fact that it even came out that Lance Blank's reason was because Kawhi Leonard sweat through his suit. To me, that's a sign of a guy who's nervous in an interview because he gives a damn. I could imagine Markeith Morris walked in with a hell of a lot of confidence and said he was the best player in the draft. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically a used car salesman with that kind of pitch. So I don't know how that's any better than a guy that seems to care by sweating through his suit. I mean, and it's pretty clear now, I mean, years later, we all know that Kawhi Leonard isn't exactly the most sociable uh, of guys. He He's a very quiet guy. So I don't know, man, evaluate most of what you, what you do on basketball and don't read too much into a guy being nervous during his pre-draft interview, I think is what the, uh, uh, <laughs> is what the, the moral of the story is w- with all of that. Kawhi Leonard also was not exactly any sort of a offensive player at the time. I mean, Jimmy Butler went 30th, you know, uh, like there were, <clears throat> it's hard, it's hard to gauge how a player is going to develop. Well, I mean, and I think, I think that's very clear. Uh, you're lucky as a GM, if you go, if you bat 500 in your drafts. So, uh, I mean, it's not to your point. Yeah. Jimmy Butler went very late uh, in a draft. Kawhi Leonard's offense wasn't necessarily there. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of factors it's uh, but to me it's just looking back in retrospect it's always easy to pick out the major mistakes but the fact that that Lance Blanks uh, that reasoning came out and that it was a confirmed story uh is enough to just completely completely be embarrassed uh, that 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 man called himself the general manager of the Phoenix Suns for any amount of time let alone, I believe it was three full seasons. So, so I can't believe the who was the who was the GM of the Kings at the time. We remember. I don't. Is that remember. guy who was the GM forever? I just can't think of his name. Was it Jerry Reynolds? Maybe, but I mean, taking Jimmer for debt over Kawhi. Well, but I mean, Jimmer was coming off of Jimmer Mania. It was a you know, it's a, a guy that you college. think you can market around, like. I, I get I, I get the Jimmer fascination because watching and taking Jan Vesely. I don't I don't get Jan Vesely. I, I that but I mean but we see it over There's and over again. Nicholas Gusfili. Draws way back in the day. Yeah, like I mean, it, it, taking a chance there. Uh, I, I get you're buying you're buying a lottery ticket with a, with a guy like Jan Vesely. Fine. You, you want to step out on a limb for that. Uh, they, but they, there's a lot of misses. You're always going to have a lot of misses in the draft. And at the time, that's why I hate grading the draft the day after. Right. Like people act <laughs> so damn confident about their drafts that, that of, you know, of people or grades of people's drafts the day after. And then you look back at any period of time later even a year later most of them look ridiculous i mean hell i went back through my uh dragon bender marquise chris uh draft tweets and and threw a few samples out from uh last night from what i said back then and i mean you just look like morons when you talk about about drafts most of the time because you, it's just it's a ridiculous amount of uh of luck involved in it too yeah. you're you're making well- you're making projections about a guy for the next 10 years uh, with, uh, with a small sample size of who they are as people and trying to understand who they are as players at a different level and how it'll translate to the NBA game. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, first of all, the 2016 draft was possibly historically one of the worst drafts. Um, but at the time, uh, Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris were considered among the top eight only draftable, really draftable players. Um, at the time, people said, yeah, clear top eight, clear shelf between the eighth best talent prospect in the draft and um, everybody else. And just just taking a quick look 
um, below. So basically the top eight being Ben Simmons, number one, Brandon Ingram, number two, Jalen Brown, number three, who I really wanted, but he went right before the Suns. Um, then Dragon Bender, Chris Dunn, Body, Buddy Healed, excuse me, um, although he'd probably be okay being called Body Healed, um, Jamal Murray and Marquise Chris. Well, who were some good players that went after those guys in that draft? Um, you could make a case that Jakob Pertl was pretty good, although he's still a backup no matter what team he's playing for. Uh, you got DeMontis Sabonis, who turned out to be a very good player uh, offensively and uh, rebounding-wise and all that. But really, there isn't much else after the Karis LeVert turned out to be pretty good later in that draft. Um, but he was injured most of his senior year, and so he was one of those unknowns that people all waited on. And that wasn't a great draft. Well, and and Pascal Siakam, sure, 27th, but he, he really didn't do a whole lot in college to justify people should have taken him in the top eight, you know. There, there's always going to be guys like that that uh, just develop eventually into something. I mean, There were in- fewer guys after that top eight who developed than most – drafts have yeah in the youtube chat gortat four actually makes a, a really good point he says one thing to consider just because someone is successful now doesn't mean they would have been successful with our co- coaching staff etc and i think that's a very good point because just because you, if they had drafted Kawhi over markeith morris did they actually develop them or how much did playing with pop and playing in that spurs system develop Kawhi into the beast that we see now i mean that 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 has a huge impact in it, and the Suns haven't had a stable situation uh, in a while. So, I mean, that that's a fantastic point. It could have had an impact on uh, on Marquise, Chris, and Dragon Bender as well. I mean, and there's still a chance that Dragon Bender, if the Suns let him walk, goes somewhere else like the Spurs uh, and turns into something because it is a better uh, – Wow, better, wow. I mean, Greg, I'm hearing two of you. What's going on? Do you uh, have – I only hear one. YouTube live. That's my problem. Okay. Sorry. Dave guys. with technology, everybody. It's like teaching your grandfather how to use web TV back in the day. To be fair. So I like to watch the YouTube chat as well. So I can see what everybody's saying, uh, but it automatically plays the, the damn YouTube video, which feeds into it. And it's, you know, hey, you know, you know what I did? I muted it as it started and nobody heard an echo. So, yeah. again, great, great talk for people listening or watching the show. Uh, us discussing how we don't know how the hell to use technology. Hey, listen. The point, the point being, though, if you project this into this year's draft, this is why I'm very much a staunch supporter of finding a way to trade the number six pick. Because mm-hmm. the chances that you're going to land on a guy that has major impact and anytime soon is probably – 15% at number six. I mean, there's not a huge, uh, I'm throwing a percentage out, but there's if not that. a huge opportunity that, that this guy is it's going 14.6%. You know, it's not going to be a huge opportunity that this, uh, this guy turns into something spectacular anytime soon. So if you can get a known quantity, uh, you know, a known, uh, with, with that pick, I think you gotta you gotta seriously explore that. So you could be the Indiana Pacers trading for the George Hill. You could, you know. There's there's plenty of other. I mean that that's the thing. Part part of this there is risk and it's calculated risk. And do you trust James Jones to to make the right calculated risk? That's 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 the thing. That's the question. Do we believe in the Suns front office? I firmly believe that James Jones would rather calculate his risk on an NBA veteran. I just, James Jones is the exact GM that would trade George Hill for the draft rights to a Kawhi Leonard or the, you know, that pick. What, number 13 or 14 or something at that time, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, realistically, uh, your chance of hitting on that number 13, number 14 pick. It's very slim. Yeah, right. They just ended up. And they also had Danny Granger at the time, which I think is worth noting because that was a... The Patriots did, yes. Yeah, the the peak of his career when he was, you know, 20 plus points a game. And uh, it, it it wasn't a bad trade. Didn't work out, but, you know, Right idea. Um, I do want to take a second. I want to congratulate Suns Reddit. You guys see they now have 50,000 members. 
Yeah, good for them. Bodes Absolutely. Well. Uh, congratulations to uh, my favorite keyboard warriors on the internet. <laughs> Man, they're All 50,000 of you, I, I personally thank. All right, so I do want to thank our new $10 subscriber, Byrome Hess, for donating to the show, supporting the Sun Solar Panel podcast. Byrome, he hit me up with his address, so I'm personally going to send him some sun swag. So if you're watching on YouTube right now or listening to the podcast and you do feel like you get a lot out of the show and you want to support, we'd appreciate it. There's a $1 option, a $5 option, $10 option. Do the $10 one, I'll send you some sun swag, but the $1 option really does go a long way. So again, thank you so much, Byrome. Ooh, and we got a uh, thank you, Byrome, and we got a new way you can support the show too. I'm excited about this. This is my pet project because Dave and and Tim just don't have any ambition, so I thought I'd do something <laughs> ambitious. You go to sunsshirts.com, and we have some really cool designs. We're going to be updating T-shirt designs uh, over you know on a weekly basis uh, whenever I can come up with something uh, creative. And if you guys want to throw things out there on, on social shirts you'd like to see, we'll get them designed. Uh, right now, we have a Booker Aiton 2020 shirt a uh a cool twins shirt a play off the old 90s uh movie twins with devito and schwarzenegger it's actually ayton and kyler murray from the cardinals so you can have a little fun with that a cool solar panel shirt that looks like the old 90s uniforms and a couple others coming up for you so head over there sunsshirts.com you can buy shirts hoodies uh anything that you'd like to wear and uh, and we get a portion of those proceeds which helps us continue to do the show when you get to wear a, a cool shirt especially if you're going out to summer league it'd be cool to see some of those out there so so speaking, speaking of summer league um you guys talked about this i believe on wednesday's show if not last week but yeah we're definitely going to do a summer league meetup on saturday night again and that's saturday it's actually july 6th um friday's the fifth saturday's the sixth And so we are going to do Saturday, July 6th, Saturday night. Uh, We don't know the Suns schedule yet, but last year it worked out awesome. There were 20, 30 people that showed up. And this year, I think if we talk about it a little bit more, we'll get even more people making the trek up to Vegas. It's just a four to six hour drive, maybe two, depending on how fast you drive. And, if you uh, can get from flight. Phoenix to Vegas in two hours, I will. I will personally buy your drinks on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is tell Greg because he can't prove it otherwise. So Greg's <laughs> buying your drinks. <laughs> if you guys heard this, tell Greg you got here and got there in two hours. I want. I want a picture of your speedometer going two hundred miles an hour. That's the other <laughs> way. By the way, Dave's requested we do it at the Thunder Down Under uh, show. <laughs> so we're debating whether we do that or not. So. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to head on over <laughs> to our really cool, let's perpetuate that. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's keep that one going. If you want to RSVP though, to our Suns fans get together at summer league, just head on over to our Facebook and uh, the events up there. So I thought this was kind of interesting. The Suns have officially traveled uh, all the way to Texas to go ahead and uh, do a private workout with Jared Culver out of Texas tech. He's a guard, 18 points. Um, yeah, 30% from three, four assists, 2.7 turnovers, 1.5 steals worth noting that he came to other teams. The Suns went to him. You guys have any takeaways from that? Yeah. Let's, let's enter into Espo's pure speculation mode. All right. No, no sources here. So don't act like this is news, but my guess is he feels like he's going to go before pick number six. So he said, if you want to watch me, you got to come to me because I'm not, he's going to visit teams that are later than that. Well, then he doesn't want to come. No, I think it's like, here's the the deal. Um, And we got um, our Ashley Neville who works, uh, helps out with bright side of the sun. Uh, She's got some sources. She has some connections with players and agents and things like that. And she says that it was the sons who asked to go meet him in Texas. Interesting. So because he's the day before he's in another city visiting a team and the day after he's in a city visiting a team teams and he's visiting teams before and after the sun's pick. So the sun's actually requested to go to see him in Texas. Cause they want to see him in his environment. I just watched a little interview of him with Shams Tarania and uh, Culver is actually pretty religious, which I don't know if that's a connection that Monty Williams wants to make or anything like that, but uh, he looks like a really nice kid who's really focused 
on just being a, you know, a, a human being more so than a player as, as much. And it's possible that Monty Williams wants to do things a little bit differently this year. Well, we may hear that they're going to go visit other teams as other players as well, who are in line for the sixth pick um, in their home environment. Cause he wants to see what Culver's family's like. He wants to see what uh, the, uh, the, um, the school situation is because he's visiting him at Texas tech. Cause Culver is, is still there uh, physically locally. Um, so I think that's interesting if that's true, but that is what I heard from the, uh, from Ashley's sources, which from Ashley through her sources, uh, which are on the player's side, not the Sun's side. Yeah. Honestly though, I don't mind that strategy. And then thank you, Dave, for correcting my uh, wild speculation. Uh, I, I mean, it's still possible that he has said, screw you sons. I don't want to go there. It's possible. <laughs> it I, really I, is. I, you know, but I, I actually don't mind the strategy if if it is a, a strategic thing that James Jones and Monty Williams are doing. Trying to go see these guys in their own environment isn't a bad thing. Plus, if you're, they're still on the campus, you can go talk with the head coach, talk with some of the people that, that are around him, understand how a guy really is. It's, it's probably a better way to do your homework than the meat market that is a draft workout uh, at the arena. When you have six prospects in and they're all – playing each other or or even if it's only one or two when they're going against cones and coaches what are you really learning in that by going to going to the guy's actual home environment you get a chance to at least learn a little bit more about him which may actually help you not make a a giant mistake or a giant miscalculation on a guy's uh, character or work ethic because you're seeing him in an environment they're comfortable in I, i don't mind that if that's the legitimate strategy going on here uh what i wonder is if you go with a guy like culver are you saying point book is actually here to stay because he's he's really a shooting guard right no he's definitely a defender shooting guard he would slot in a lineup um in that combo guard he can handle he can create his own shot uh he can make passes he's actually a better passer than some of the point guards that are in the in the uh, kind of listed in the top 10 potentially, but he's definitely a combo guard. Who's more a shooter guard than uh, a point guard for sure. Yes. I think that means you're committing to point book, but you're putting defenders around him. Okay. I actually, ironically I'm sitting here and I just got a text from one of my sources who said, this isn't all that strange to go visit a guy in your in the range of the pick that you're in, in his own environment. It's something that's happened with the Suns in the past. It's something that uh, that other teams do. So this isn't a strange thing. Uh, we may not hear about it uh, a lot. This may have been one of the few times that, that this has actually come out. So, uh, so my sources confirm that this isn't a bizarre thing to, to happen. Okay. So there's your source, one person. I like I, it. Yeah, I do. I do have a source that is confirming this isn't and is isn't watching an the YouTube thing. live. Apparently, no. I actually it was a text, and I get my text on my MacBook. So I, it was a text I sent out yesterday that I, ironically, while we were talking about it, just got the response. So, so should should the Suns take best player available, even if? That best player available is a shooting guard or a small forward. Are they at still at that point of their rebuild? God. I wish I knew. Like the thing is, we still don't know what James Jones or or Monty Williams' plan is in any way. We don't know what the offense is gonna look right. like. We don't know what James Jones' vision for the roster is. If his plan is to trade trade a bunch of these these uh you know small forwards or to trade or stretch Tyler Johnson to clear cap, then you're going to need a backup shooting guard. And maybe if you're Culver's the guy that to back up Devin Booker for the time being, and then as he matures, becomes a better player, you figure out how to work him in other ways. I, I don't know. There's so many unanswered questions right now that it's tough to definitively stand on a soapbox and say, no, they shouldn't do that. I don't know. I, that's I not a sexy it, I, answer. I, it, look, if the Suns really – are, are dialed in on, on certain prospects. One of them is going to be there at six, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're in love with either Brandon Clark, who might be an overdraft there, but some people just absolutely love him or a Jared Culver or 
if you've honed in on someone like a Darius Garland or a Kobe White or whatever, there's there's only five picks ahead of the Suns, and the top three are already kind of pretty much set in stone, I believe, uh, between the uh, Zion and John Morant and, and um, hello, RJ Barrett. So there's only a couple more picks who can go before the Suns. So, yeah, it is possible that the Suns are honing in on two or three guys, and they're going to take the one that's available, and he might not be somebody um, – in a, in a position of need, he might just be a guy that the Suns really, really like, like Jack, like Greg said. So I, we really don't know what James Jones' MO is. We don't know what his vision of a team is right now. Um, his acquisitions during the past year after taking over the front office, um, those have been uh, out of opportunity, not out of target. You know, he hasn't targeted really anybody. So I'm very curious to see how this next month plays out. Um, but I would, you would think that they, if they really are focusing on Kelly Oubre being re-signed and they really like, like they should, a Mikel Bridges, then small forward is probably not the way to go. But there are guys. You could focus on a DeAndre Hunter. You could uh, focus on Brandon Clark. Both those guys could slot in at the four Jared Culver, I think, would be a good fit, although it is committing to Devin Booker as your point guard. I'm not sure that's the best possible thing, but that's just my own opinion. Uh, they could fall in love with Kobe White, who is a pretty good shooter. He looks a lot like De'Aaron Fox, so if you have Fox Envy, then you might uh, want to do a Kobe White, just hoping and praying for that same kind of impact. Uh, there's There's a few guys the Suns could be falling in love with. I really hope they don't fall for Darius Garland. I'm really praying on the Lakers being dumb and taking him at four so the Suns don't have a choice. Uh, and uh, But other than that, or uh, really hope they don't fall for a Cam Reddish just because he's 6'9", uh, because he just he looks to me like he's going to average four rebounds a, a game for his career and, and not really be any any good at any one thing because the dude can't even get to the rim uh, from what I remember in, in watching him in college. So... Cam Reddish is my worst nightmare as the Suns pick at six, but so far I haven't heard anything uh, leading us to believe the Suns like Cam Reddish. So, but there's, there are options. I'd rather trade the pick for a vet. I'd rather trade the pick for a known quantity at point guard. I, I agree. I, I agree there as well. I, I'd rather get the known quantity. I'm, I'm intrigued by Culver, but it does create roster problems that I don't know are necessarily ideal. We've seen point book. I don't know that him having the ball in his hands is, is what's best for him. I mean, even heck the Rockets backed off of James Harden being their main ball handler by acquiring Chris, Chris Paul after, after one year, uh, mm-hmm. you can argue how that worked or not, but I still, uh, well, I mean, Chris Paul just got old. I mean, they well, also had Pat, Be- Pat Beverly before that. So. Yeah. But, but, Harden was primarily running your... Yeah, they still put a point guard. I mean, his usage rate was really high. Uh, Derek Helbert on the YouTube chat says, no point book, he will get hurt too often. No, I agree. I've never been a big fan of point book. And people don't give this a lot of credit, but it's a lot of pressure being the guy who's in charge of running the show because you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on everybody around you. And that's when injuries happen is because you're, you're... you're not, uh, it's, it's tough being the lead guard and, and Devin Booker is not a natural as the lead guard. And when he's got to score the 25 points and he's got to do all the leadership things, that's, that's just not a natural for him. And that's why he gets dicked, uh, dinged up, um, nicked up, dinged up, dicked up, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, however, it that, however it works, it, they're all negatives. Um, and so, yes, I, I agree that if you make, Devin Booker, your primary ball handler, who's got the ball in his hands, bringing it up 70% of the time, he's going to be a nicked up guy his entire career. Can we, so we're both in on the trade market. There is, I think Steve Kyler from Basketball Insiders that threw out there, the Suns could be a dark horse on Anthony Davis, right? And so so I reached out to him and I was like, I just, I don't see how this happens because well Monty Williams really likes Anthony Davis. Well of course Monty Williams really likes Anthony Davis. Everyone in the NBA really likes yeah, Anthony I Davis. I mean it's not like that's a big stretch, right? Oh somebody likes Anthony <laughs> right. Davis. But does but does Anthony Davis really like Monty Williams? Well everything suggests he does, but it's still that this is 
uh, you know, I, Dude, I don't see that. And then he, group. yeah, well, and then he tried to convince me that the Suns could do it without including an Aiton or a Booker. And I'm what? like, that, that just doesn't happen. The, yeah. Why in the world would David Griffin, uh, despite wanting to build around Zion Williams, uh, Zion Williamson and, and put people around him, why would he accept multiple pieces and the sixth pick and a future pick for Anthony Davis when he can get much more elsewhere? You ha- it, it starts and ends with at least Aiton being involved, right? And I, that's too rich for my blood to take that chance on a one year year rental like and people will point to well look at what Kawhi's done in Toronto and I'd say yeah Toronto was one player away and Kawhi came in and was that one player and if they win a title and he leaves great it worked out great but if they wind up losing say say Golden State comes back Toronto loses the series and Kawhi leaves was it really worth it then because now you're into rebuilding mode and you didn't get your titles, so. Well, they only gave up DeMar DeRozan, so I think they're, st- they're still a winner. They didn't give up their future. They didn't. They gave up a current player for a current player. So I think that's okay. Um, here, the, you can't give up one year. Uh, you can't get one year of AD and giving up a career, DeAndre Aiden. Whether you're, whether you thought he was, still think he was the fifth best prospect in the 2018 draft or not, you don't do that. It doesn't. You just don't do it. Um, and also, nobody else the Suns have are what it's not a sunk cost. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just uh, the, well, here's here's the bottom line on the AD thing. AD is represented by clutch sports. Robert Sarver is the only piece that has not changed in the Suns front office. Robert Sarver fired Earl Watson over, over keeping clutch sports as his agent and Robert Sarver is the one who had to deal with the Eric Bledsoe holdout the whole summer of 2014, complete silence, very frustrating. And then the whole summer of 2017, he was angling for an extension after, after you know, being a real injury risk. Um, and the Suns, and with two years left on his contract, I mean, they were trying to run the show. They're trying to wag the dog. That's the tail. They're trying to wag the dog. And they're trying to do it in L.A. now, uh, and it's not working very well in L.A. too because even idiots don't uh, eventually get tired of the, you know, they get tired of trying to be run by somebody on the side. So Robert Sarver is not going to deal with A.D. as long as he's he's uh, represented by Clutch Sports. I just don't see it. Well, I mean, I don't see them taking a chance because of that. I mean, I think you – Especially when it's a contract year. Especially when that. the thing you hate about yes. Clutch Sports is the contract year. Yeah. And they've well, I, even proven that it doesn't have to be, even have to be a contract year to become unbearable because Eric Bledsoe was in the middle of his five-year one. So there's no way it can go well for Robert Sarver. Yeah, well, that's fair. It's a contract year with Anthony Davis. So if you were trading for him, you're fully aware of the contract you would be willing to give him. I mean, there's no question yeah, right, but about you'd the rather, contract. You'd rather do it with a player whose agent is, is at least, you know, uh, I don't know, if you call a good old boy or what, but who's going to follow the old rules of being respectful and all that. Rich Paul is here for the players. He's not here for relationships with uh, teams and management. Well, and let's be honest too. I mean, everything that Dave Griffin has said leads you to believe he's not that big of a DeAndre Ayton fan either. What he, what he was saying when he was in media. Still not sure. Right. (laughs) Even your, even your biggest chip that, that you would have that you'd likely include isn't something that necessarily the Pelicans would want. You can't always agree. You can't always believe what David Griffin says. Uh, He also said he thought Ryan McDonough had one of the best off seasons in league history last summer. Well, I think he may have actually believed that. I mean, well, I, (laughs) Dave, I don't think Griff, when he was on the media side, was was going to be lying in in any way uh, about his feelings on on no, no, no. just yeah. tailoring comments for the situation. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, very true. So when you're interviewed by local Phoenix radio in August, you're going to be more glowing maybe to those people than you are to somebody in Indianapolis. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's fairly typical. Uh, in those situations too so I just I that just uh, that was just one of those things that came up yesterday and kind of caught fire on social because like oh well look at this it's like yeah take a few steps back unravel that uh the layers of that onion right. and you're gonna realize it stinks a little bit you know so yeah there's no ad happening 
Yeah. Now, Katie, oh. well, that's totally in the bag. That, that, oh, of course, of that, course, that Katie's right coming. At, that sounds right at post on on uh, uh, Dragon Bender and KD that I tweeted out was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Obviously, a joke. I, I'm assuming anyway. You would <laughs> hope it's a joke. Right. Well, it had to have been since they put DB in the headline. You think, oh, Devin Booker? You looked out. It's Dragon Bender. You're like, uh. look. And no disrespect to the Reddit users, but if they're anything like Brightside commenters, they're not always jokes. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what's bad is the Facebook groups on uh, uh, the Suns Facebook groups. Those are the dumbest fucking posts I've <laughs> ever. They'll be like trade for this guy, and he's a free agent, dude. And it happens yeah. all the time. Oh, I know. It's it's very 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 common that that uh, people know almost nothing about how the league works and how player trades happen and stuff like that. It's like some guy speculating that the Suns only went to Texas because uh, Culver thought that he was going to go before them and didn't realize <laughs> that people, he was working up for teams after them. It is, it Who is the hell would possible. do that kind of thing? It is entirely possible, but he did. Um, the reason I'm saying that is the Bulls pick. Uh, oh, wait. Do the Bulls pick before or after him? Hello. Let me they do pick this. after the Suns, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, and he went to Chicago. That's that's the reason I'm saying that. So he is going to places that are after the Suns. So that's why I I believe I, Ashley's sources that the Suns wanted to go to him. I was just making. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually so. has a private workout in Phoenix too before the draft. Oh, that that it, a lot of that happens too because I think you can work a guy out twice, yeah. right? There's two. Yeah. Two windows that you There's can work something about. Yeah, Watson talked about it a couple of years ago. You've got a 24-hour window and a 48-hour window that you're allowed to see guys up to two times in a private setting. There's also uh, times in the past where the Suns have like a – gosh, I can't remember who it was. But it was a it was a top potential pick, and he wasn't going to any teams. He was making – his agent was making teams go to him. Josh Jackson. They flew down. It was Jackson. They flew down. And yeah, the Suns had to go to Sacramento to see him, right? Or Sacramento. You're right. Because remember, that was when they blocked Boston from seeing yes. him. We all thought it was a shrewd move. And then it really just uh, screwed the Suns <laughs> over in the end. Danny Ainge is like, uh huh. Yeah, that Danny, was shrewd. Danny Ainge just sent an empty plane to make them think that they pulled one over on him and then turned it around. <laughs> so, oops. Have we, uh, have we talked about the Suns hiring Steve Blake as an assistant coach? No, we haven't we talked have about not. any of the coaching staff. Uh, I find mm-hmm. – I don't know what you guys think, but uh, Mark Bryant, uh, Willie Green's rumored to be part of the staff, Steve Blake. You look at this, and it's obviously a focus on bringing in former players not that far removed from their career. Uh, I think they're building a hell of a uh, big three roster right now, a team that could probably still compete in that league. But <laughs> does it actually have an impact on – on players, do you guys think that hiring coaching staff that isn't that far removed from from an NBA career uh, actually, you know, helps connect with these guys? Oh. Now, Mark Bryant, Mark Bryant's a little Earl far Watson removed. Was very closely removed from an NBA career. Yeah, but he was the head guy. I get, I, I get how it, that doesn't. Are you just talking in general, former NBA players versus uh, guys who never played the game? I, I think, a, yeah, a little both. Does that help? Does these, does this younger generation of players give a crap that Steve Blake played no. in the NBA for multiple years, or do they even know no. Mark Bryant played in the game? Like, I don't think, I don't think any of those guys personally, although. I don't know, none of us are NBA players, so we don't know. But I don't think those guys really care that whether somebody played in the NBA or not. What what the difference is is how the how the coach who former who used to be a player uses that experience to be a better coach, and um, and maybe that makes you a better communicator. Maybe that helps you um, give insights that uh, guys who never played the game can't give. So there are former not never never played NBA in their in their past that are awesome coaches and there are former NBA players who are terrible coaches. So it just, it doesn't really, I I think that only helps inform the individual who is now a coach in becoming a better coach or not. Uh, The interesting thing is all these guys have connections to Monty Williams. So at least he's familiar uh, with, with these guys, there's a trust there. The, The most interesting thing to me about it is Steve Blake now becomes the best son 
under contract at point guard, which, you know, he's, he's more talented than any point guard they have right now. There's, there are some players who I really, really, really disliked in their careers. And Steve Blake is one of them. <laughs> Why? And only not because he was, a, he was an ass or anything like that. Great guy. He just, he made about 90% of his shots against the Suns. It was just unbelievable. So he's like, how a, much of a the, he so was. like Iman Schumpert. You know, I haven't even I haven't even identified uh, that Iman Shumpert uh, situation as maybe I'll pay attention more now that you said it. But no, Steve Blake just just killed me. He's not doing it anymore, but man, he's dropped like thirty on the Suns a couple of times. I mean, in yeah. the end, assistant coaches can have an impact on, on development, but if Monty's not running it in a way that sets them up for success and sets the entire roster up for success, it doesn't matter. Uh, who his staff is. I mean, that's. Uh, uh, I just posted something on Brightside uh, this morning and talking about speculating on who might go to summer league and who who wouldn't because um, you wouldn't think DeAndre Aiden would want to play in summer league this year. However, Devin Booker, who was also a first team all rookie, did play a few games in his um, uh, the summer after his rookie year. Uh, and really, the more I thought about it, even though Monty Williams is not going to be coaching in the summer league, he's going to be coaching in the summer league. You know what I mean? Like he won't be named as the guy on the sidelines who's calling the plays and, and doing the substitution patterns during the games. And Monty Williams is going to be there during summer league along with the new coaching staff. And if I'm DeAndre Ayton, who loves being in the gym um, and Mikel Bridges, who hasn't left the gym since the end of the year, I'm big, definitely man. going to be there in summer league. And I'm going to be on that I- roster. My guess is Willie Green's going to be the going to be yeah the, the head, head coach, coach right? But all the other assistants they're going to yeah. be helping Willie Green and oh, Monty yeah. Williams is going to be there. He'll just be five feet away from those guys. Well, Monty Williams called uh, DeAndre Ayton this week a beautiful canvas because he got a chance to work out uh, DeAndre Ayton a little bit at the facility. And to me, that was probably the most exciting thing I've heard w- involving Monty Williams since the hire because. He looks at DeAndre Ayton and he said, you know, I worked with him. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but I worked with him, did a few things, and he picked it up really quick. I'm so Mm -hmm. excited to see what Monty Williams can get out of DeAndre Ayton and what his plan is. Are we going to see DeAndre Ayton shoot more? What does he want to do with DeAndre Ayton? What does step two of the DeAndre Ayton evolution look like under Monty Williams? To me, the step two of the DeAndre Ayton evolution is maturity and focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, not necessarily building skill sets. Um, DeAndre Ayton can do just about anything he wants to on the court. The, the issue is knowing when to do one thing or two things, or you know what to do when is his problem. And some of it's instinctive scoring and stuff like that because it's just natural. It comes to him. And some of it is not, which is just about anything else. Um, so I think the key to his development as a great player is getting a coach who, who connects him to the game. Like there, there are things about DeAndre Ayton that are just fun. He's a kid. He's still a kid. He loved to dance in the middle of a play. He would dance if he was given a chance. You know, if somebody said it's time to dance, you know, right in the middle of an executing play, he would do it because he he just he's a sponge and he can pick up things extremely quick. The problem is he's got all of it in his head and he doesn't know what to do when, and he doesn't know how to focus. And uh, I think that's what I'm looking for from Monty Williams and the coaching staff. Is to is to help these players grow up and grow into men, because uh, DeAndre Ayton is not a man yet, and we I'd love to see that happen. And that's why I'd love to see him play one or two games in summer league and kind of yes. be, and be the leader in those games, and then be the be the leader on the bench helping these guys uh, as well, and kind of start to learn that under Monty and this coaching staff. Yeah, I don't even necessarily um, need DeAndre Ayton to be the the unquestioned leader on the floor or anything like that. What I need to see is, is just that he sponged Monty Williams for four weeks before they really take time off. Because once you hit mid July, these guys really are off for a couple of months until late, well, a month and a half until late August where they really are starting to disperse for the summer. It's through mid July that they all stay focused um, generally every year. And so I'm, I'm hoping DeAndre gets the most out of that by being on this roster and being in the, in the lineups. You guys catch the uh, Monty Williams comment. He was talking about the core of the Suns, and he definitely made sure to mention um, Tyler Johnson in there. I thought that was interesting. I did hear that. 
Yeah, that's part where I don't know if he's just saying it to say it. Like they talked about it. Him and James probably sat down and said, you know what? It's almost certain Tyler's going to pick this up and we need Tyler to be part of, you know, picked up, pick up his option and we need him to be part of the core. If he's going to be here, we need him engaged. It could very well just be as simple as that. Um, clearly nobody thinks Tyler Johnson is the core of a 20 year old team, but Monty does talk about how you need veterans to help these guys grow. And Tyler Johnson, we saw that all it took was a little bit of Tyler Johnson. And suddenly the Suns were, uh, you know, a 500 team, even with all the 20 year olds. So uh, Tyler Johnson does make the maturity level does make a difference. And that's why I'm so excited to see what veterans James Jones brings in this summer because that's just going to add to the overall like uh, respectability of this franchise. I, I think part of this too is very much like uh, when Monty Williams had Mikhail Bridges <laughs> at his introductory press conference, and he made sure to get very specific. And in, in the Mikhail, uh, he he's going to tailor his message based on what he's trying to uh, accomplish with it. And I think to Dave's point, it was probably a discussion. Hey we're likely going to have Tyler Johnson here. So let's make sure we make him feel like he's a part of this since we're going to spend 20 million on having him here. So So let's flip this a little bit. What's notable by silence then is Monty Williams has not really thrown anything out positive. He's talked about Josh Jackson a little bit, but he hasn't really talked about Josh as a future core piece. And he hasn't talked about Rashawn Holmes once. Well, he, he also didn't, talk about the uh, you know any bail or anything for those guys either so, i, I uh, heard Rashawn holmes isn't coming back i can't remember where yeah. i heard that but I, someone uh someone made a comment that there's something about Rashawn holmes off court that monty doesn't love that's like he's i don't know but i've never heard anything official so i'm not going to talk anymore about it but <clears throat> they're going to let Rashawn holmes go they don't want to pay him a ton of money he thinks he'll get a ton of money i tell you what there are more teams out there with max cap space. This is like 2016 summer. There's a lot of teams out there with tons of cap space and all the good players are going to be gone by the 4th of July. And then all that's left are going to be those dudes who are going to get overpaid. The The lucky part for the Suns is that Kelly Oubre is restricted. And so he's unlikely, just like any summer, he's unlikely to get a big uh, restricted free agent <clears throat> uh, signing, you know, offer sheet. But the unrestricted guys... There are going to be a dozen or so that get way overpaid this summer. And it's quite possible Rashawn Holmes thinks he's one of those guys. And the Suns have already said, eh. Now, it could be late July they go back. Uh, it could be late July they go back and um, get back to Rashawn Holmes uh, and say, hey, how about $3 million? You know, because nobody did sign him. But I don't think the Suns are excited about bringing him back at a big number. You know oh, who sure else has uh, has some cap space this summer? What's that? You know who else has some cap space this summer? Who? The Nets. The Nets. <laughs> oh, especially now. Hey, so anybody who wants this wants some other team just to absorb Tyler Johnson, look at the price that the Nets paid to do two to get some picks. Two first round picks, which I actually think is really funny because finally, when the Nets start getting uh, draft picks, they're like, "Eh, we don't want him." Well. <laughs> different, different, uh, different general manager than who acquired. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying it's, you know, they're no, he was actually players. buying first round picks. No, Sean Mark spent a couple of years buying first round picks. Like he bought the uh, Karis LeVert pick, um, things like that. And then yes, now he's trading them away to clear cap space so they can go for veterans. This has a potential not to work out well for the Nets. It does. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they've gotten some assurances from Kyrie though. Uh, before I still wonder. Someone, someone made a comment about the uh, the whole Alan Crabb saga, as you know, maybe Sean Marks isn't like the um, never made a mistake god, right? First, he makes a big offer to Alan Crabb that um, doesn't get matched, and then he ends up acquiring the dude, and the dude is just like Tyler Johnson in that he's got these huge pay years, you know, eighteen twenty million dollars he's making now when he's not that kind of player, but he that's the kind of offer that Sean Marks made to hope to get the, uh, the Blazers not to keep Crab, And then he ended up acquiring him anyway. And now he's trading him away for two first-round picks with okay. two first-round picks. Okay, well, let's turn this to the Suns, though. If you're the Suns mm-hmm. and you can trade 
Tyler Johnson and the sixth pick and maybe some future pick or another asset to clear that space because you now know D'Angelo Russell is, is, would sign with you if you had the space. Would you sacrifice that, that those assets to make that kind of move? Well, he's, he's restricted too, isn't he? Well, I think Greg's just they trying to, to create the create the scenario. If for some they, reason you had a ninety nine percent certainty that you'd be able to have D'Angelo Russell, is that what you're trying to say? Well, well, look, they're if the Nets get Kyrie and KD is option one, right, and they find out KD will sign there, they have to renounce the rights D'Angelo Russell, so he becomes an unrestricted free agent at that point. And I'm I'm asking if you knew these dominoes. We're going to fall, right? And you knew that you could get D'Angelo Russell uh, because of connections with Booker. He wants to be in Phoenix. You know that that's going to happen. Do you roll the dice to to trade that six pick to, to offload Tyler Johnson? Because that's going to be the starting price of admission, I think, with that after seeing this, this crab deal. Would it be worth it? Would yes. you take the chance? Yes. Awesome. I'm not a big fan of the number six pick, so – in this draft, in this draft, it's a bad overall chance of a really good player. Now, if you're really in love with Jared Culver, you take Jared Culver, for example. But um, in general, the the value of a – I mean, I'm not in love with D'Angelo Russell either, but I get what you're saying. Um, if you think you can get that guy you really want in free agency by dumping the six pick to dump Tyler Johnson, yes, I would do it. I'm going to be in the camp that – says no because i'd rather just trade that six pick for spencer dinwiddie cheaper option mm-hmm. not that much worse uh, than than d'angelo russell means you don't tie that much up in a, in your backcourt uh and i think if you have russell and and booker as your main uh money that's tied up there you've got a just an awful defensive backcourt. And I think if you can get Spencer Dinwiddie for the same price there in, in trading that pick, I'd rather make that move. It kind of depends on whether or not the Nets would be willing to part with uh, Dinwiddie for the number six overall pick. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think of Dinwiddie on social media this week? He's going, been, well, he's an, I guess that's out. He's huh? an MVP. His, his Twitter <laughs> feed, they must follow for any NBA fan. I don't care if he comes to Phoenix or not. It is it is spectacular how funny that guy is and how much he's willing to say. He and Jared he's Dudley, real and he's spectacular. Exactly, <laughs> fantastic Seinfeld reference. He and Jared Dudley must have been hilarious in a locker room together too, because they they're two of my favorite follows on on Twitter. Neither of them care what the what they say. Uh, Spencer's a little funnier though. I'm not gonna lie. And so on that note, going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Sun Solar Panel Cleaning House Items, Saturday, July 6th, Phoenix Suns meet up at Sun Summer League. If you want to RSVP for that, you can just head on over to our Facebook page. If you want to get a Sun Solar Panel t-shirt, links below if you're watching on YouTube or in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. And if you want to support the show, just hit the support the show button. Other than that, we will be back Wednesday at 7 p.m. Arizona time for a short midweek episode.